Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers where we have author Stephen Barnes on the show today to talk about his book, 12 Days. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Now, 12 Days is kind of a, a thriller, if I'm not mistaken, that it revolves around a certain family, am I correct? Yeah, I mean, basically, if you say something is a thriller, that would mean that the primary emotion you want people to feel is, you know, excitement, thrills. I guess that that would be one way of, of putting it. Um, if there was a dominant emotion that I wanted people to feel, I guess it would be excitement. But, you know, there's also, you know, suspense and, and so forth and so on. But uh, I, I like the term thriller. That's fine. Okay. Now, can you tell us a little bit about 12 Days? Sure. I mean... There's two different ways to look at the book. Uh, the, the the primary one would be it's a story of a of a woman who is trying to protect her family against a threat that she cannot possibly understand, and against a backdrop of a world that seems to be teetering on the edge of the apocalypse. Uh, you know, and in the midst of all this, things that are affecting uh, potentially all of mankind because uh, there's been a threat made that you know, we're going to suffer global catastrophe within. You know, a couple of months, basically, and the first 12 days of those two months are what this book is about. And she's trying to protect her family and at the same time has to try to understand something that is really beyond human comprehension. Okay. Now, uh, I'm just kind of looking over some of the, the quotes that are here for the book. And then, now, is it a paranormal horror then as well? Because I well, noticed someone mentioned that. Well, once again, horror deals with the dominant emotion. Yeah. There are certain scenes that I would want people to feel horrified by. Okay. And the paranormal definitely is involved. There's no question about that. There really is. So that would be another way of looking at it. But I mean, I I could I look at it as, as an adventure yeah. of the human spirit, really more than anything else. Okay. I and, and that's what every book really is is an adventure in one way or another. So I I kind of like how. You're focusing on the emotions, where you're taking us on a ride, a roller coaster ride of emotions, and things are happening, and you have this main character that's trying to hold her family together while things are falling apart around her, and trying to understand all these events while trying to keep her family safe. That's, I mean, that's just well, what any parent would do. Ultimately, no event in a story should be there if it doesn't trigger an emotion. Yeah. In 
characters and hopefully in, in the reader. So uh, it's all about the emotions. And I, I hope that the, that the plot element, the structural plot element of 12 Days took me three years to work out. It, it, it's complex. I can only hope that, it's, that that does not detract from people's ability to engage with the emotions. I mean, I, I always, I'm always proud of aspects of my book. I'm always, always worried about other aspects of it. That's just, uh, that's just the reality. But, you know, I feel like uh, I did the very best that I could, and my readers, my early readers, have loved it. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Nice. So what is, what is one of the, ma- the characters within the book that you just, when you were writing them, just fell in love with them, and, they, and you, you want to tell more of their story, but maybe not all their story got told? Well, you can't ever tell a complete story about anybody. Yeah. You know, because their life begins, you know, before the book starts, or you could go back to their parents or their grandparents or whatever, you know, and then after the book ends, you know, if they die, their effects go on in forever. So all you can try to do is to choose a a period in their lives that is representative, you know, that, that tells you something that you're trying to say about human beings or about reality. And those are the only real two things to write about, you know, what are people and what is the world that those people see. So um, the most, the single most complex character is is the mother, you know, Olympia Dorsey, uh, and the next most complex character is Terry Nichols, who is her ex lover and a um, a soldier who is balancing on the edge of dishonoring himself by pulling off uh, an armored car heist. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I like I that. Think- so. Um- now, reading up uh, on you, you do uh, you've studied martial arts. Does that come into play in your writing style with any of your fighting scenes? It would be almost impossible for it not to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yes, you know, uh, you might want to ask me a slightly different question if you want me to go into that. You know, so because the the question as it was posed has been answered, but I, yes. I suspect that. There's more that you'd like to ask. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, just because I mean, reading these scenes, they seem very realistic. So I'm just wondering how much, I mean, when you're thinking of how to write this scene, were you kind of acting it out in your mind or even physically acting it out to to make sure that every punch or kick was you were able to actually do in, in real life? Well, you know... There are, some, there are a ton of different ways to look at fight scenes, you know, and one of them is the choreography of the punches and kicks. But once again, that's just information. What's really important is what's the emotional change in, in the reader. Okay. So I'm more likely to be interested in how do these punches and kicks, while they have to be realistic, you know, it has to, in terms of spatial relations, that has to all work. I'm more interested in what the emotions are. What am I revealing about the people? I'm revealing things about their training, about their attitudes towards their physical preparedness, and how do they invest their time, and where are their emotions? I mean, when you watch a Bruce Lee fight scene or a Jackie Chan fight scene, you know, or a, a fight scene in, in, in the Born Identity or something like this, each of these things contains a different emotional content. They have to move the scene forward in some way. Yeah. Whether you know Bruce Lee is being the the, the, the epitome of, of righteous wrath, or Jackie Chan is being a, a combative clown, or um, Born is. Dis- 
discovering that he is lethal, you know, and, and being surprised by his body's own actions, which is, I think, one of the reasons why the Bourne movies, in some ways, became less interesting as they went on, because what was really fascinating was watching Bourne discover himself. Yeah. You know, oh my God, I can do this? You know, I can do this? You know, that is, that is hugely different from just, okay, he's another badass, you know, like, uh, like uh, uh, John Wick, you know, or, uh, or, or whoever Tom Cruise is playing this week. It's <laughs> not that I don't enjoy those movies. It's just that that first Bourne movie was touching a unique emotion. Yes. Um, and his confusion there is something I think that really, really works well. So when I'm creating a fight scene, part of what it is I'm trying to say is, what is it that I'm trying to communicate here? What is it I'm trying to reveal? What is it that I'm trying to show um, the audience that they could not learn in any other way? It, it has to do that as well as move the story forward. No, I, I like that, that take on that, because... You're right. You know the Bourne movie, that first one, I I I still love. It's amazing, and I didn't really catch on until you just mentioned that. Is you're right. As each movie progresses, we see less and less of that. Oh wow, this is something new to me. I didn't know of it. And he's just kind of that all around guy that just goes in, punches, beats up, and then gets out. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's in the, you can look at the direction. Um, Paul Greenglass in uh, in the Born in the Born movies uses a, a, a shaky cam, yeah, which represents the emotional dissociation and confusion of the point of view character. When they tried to do the same thing in, um, uh, let's say, Quantum of Silence, the James Bond movie, it doesn't work at all. No, because the dominating characteristic of Jason Bourne is his confusion. He doesn't know what's going on. The dominating characteristic of James Bond is he is always in control. Mm-hmm. He has total control of his emotions. He knows exactly who he is and what he's doing. And so, you know, he's, he's whether he's fighting somebody on top of a plane or whatever, he's always in control. So the shaky cam does not represent the point of view character and just creates nausea for the audience. It doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah. No, I agree, and you know, and then of course Jackie Chan. It's always fun to watch him fight because, yeah, you know, he, he like you said, he's he's got that clownish type fighting style, but and he, but at the same time, he's using the whole environment around him. Yes, so you're you're looking at his intelligence. Yeah, he is a full using creature. You yeah. know, it is very clear that that every character Jackie plays is extremely smart. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I like that take on, on the fighting. It's not really the punches. It's more of the, the emotion and that you're, or the story you're trying to convey in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to reveal things about the character tactically, strategically, philosophically, emotionally. You know, there's so many different levels you can, you can go into, and my intent is going to change. I mean, the same thing is going to be true with love scenes. The same thing is going to be true with, a, you know, a conversation scene, a dialogue scene. What am I revealing... You know, on one level, and then what am I saying on an unconscious level? And then all that has to be wound in with, well, where's the plot going? And you know, how do I want people to feel about this book when they close the book? You know, I want them to feel something different about about the characters at the very least. Ideally, I'd want them to look at the world a little bit differently. You know, at at the very least, I want them to have been excited and thrilled and feel like they've been taken on a a, a real ride. Yeah. Now, 
12 Days, is it a standalone novel or is it the beginning of a series? Well, it's a standalone novel. It relates to a novel I did, you know, 25 years ago called The Kundalini Equation. Okay. Um, if, you know, if the audience, you know, goes crazy for it, there are possibilities for a continuation, but it's not, uh, it's not based on the idea that I'm going to do more of them. It's based on the idea that I wanted to take a, a very specific question, which is, what if, what if the disciplines that we call the martial arts and yoga and these sort of self-improvement disciplines, what if they're right? What if you really can alter yourself? What if you really can produce a greater and greater effect um, if you're trained properly, if you have the right access to your resources? You know, what if it's possible to become a super normal human being? Uh, I explored I, I explored that in the earlier book, and I explored that some more in this one. And uh, we'll see whether or not it communicates to people. That's the question. It's not what I try to do, or it's, it's not how good I think it is. It's whether or not it communicates with the audience. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's the fantastic thing about books is even though you, you tell the story, the readers can just make that expand and explode even more. Um, and sure. With their imagination or their thoughts or their ideas and where they can take the book or the stories – um, and that's what I've always loved about reading is even though I close the book, it's like the possibilities of where the story can go on beyond that or even uh, ideas I have of certain characters are always different and they, 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 they're different than how you imagined them or someone else would as well. Well, you know, I think that you touch on something important there and that is that the reader brings their own experience and therefore you do not know how they're going to respond to it. Yeah. Uh, politics can enter in, you know, their emotional experiences during life enter in, and it's extraordinarily complex. Um, all you can do is try to be honest from your own point of view and to be, you know, and, and, and to say that this is what I honestly believe human beings to be. And then if people agree with you, you've got a fan. And if they disagree with you, you've got a critic. Yeah. I, I think you have a point there. Now, the book comes out. Tomorrow, uh, it'll be available in ebook and physical book. Uh, yes. Hopefully soon, audiobook because audiobooks seem to be the trend nowadays, um, which is kind of sad. Uh, it just seems like people don't have enough time to sit down and read a book anymore. Well, I don't know if it's sad. It just is. I mean, the first stories were told. You know that we first learned storytelling by hearing. That is true. You know that's how our parents first you know do the once upon a time thing to us. I mean, I, it's, it, what matters is the absorption of information. It doesn't matter that much whether it's digital or analog or, or auditory or visual, you know, uh, as much as do you learn how to sort through information to extract meaning from it. And that's going to change. And it changes from generation to generation and context to context. Hmm. No, I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. That's, that's a good point. So the book's out, coming out. I mean, how... The question is, how does it feel every time you you finish a book, it goes through the process of being published, and then you finally have the book in your hands? Because, like you mentioned earlier, you have a copy. I mean, that just has to be an amazing feeling, no matter whether this is your first book, your second book, or 20th book. That just has to always be a, an amazing feeling, having that book in hand. I'd say so. I mean, I, I feel like you know, at, at a certain point, it becomes part of the flow of your life. Okay. You know, and I feel like I have 
had and continue to have an amazing life. I, I give thanks for the life that I have where I'm able to do this thing that I loved so much as a child and actually make a living at it. The individual books, by the time they reach me, I don't even know who wrote them anymore. I'm not that guy you know, because my life continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. It's I'm proud of them, but I'm more interested in what is it that I do today. Okay. You know, what is it that I'm going to do today? And then tomorrow, what am I do today? It's, you know, tomorrow's another today. And then the day after that is another today. So it's, it's, I appreciate the books and I'm proud of them, but I don't let them distract me from the work of what do I need to do today to be authentic. Okay. Well, where do, where are you going next? Where can our listeners find you if they're interested in the book and want to find out more on any of the, the other books or projects you're working on? Well, and I'm working on a television series at 20th Century Fox. You know, I can't talk too much about it, but it's you know it's, that's in development. You know, I occasionally lecture on writing. I'll be at, up at the Willamette Writers Conference later this year. I you know go to Oricon and Loscon, and uh, you know it's uh, I stay I try to stay busy. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, is there can they follow you on social media or anything like that? Oh sure, I'm on Facebook. You know uh, and uh, uh, I'm on Twitter. Let's see, what am I on Twitter? What am I on Twitter? At Stephen Barnes One. Okay. On Twitter. All right, there it is. So for our listeners, run. I mean, this sounds like a fantastic book. Yeah, a great premise, great idea. Uh, check it out. Go look for it. Uh, I'm sure it's I, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. You can get a copy. Uh, the nice thing about Amazon, they have a little. Snippet, you can read through it and check out if this is going to be your cup of tea. But, you know, I, I can already tell it's it's going to be a fantastic book and a great read. So, take, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, listeners, check it out. Uh, it's always great to support your uh, authors by buying their books. And, you know, if you love this one, go look for uh, Stephen's other books. So, uh, is there any other things that you would like to throw out and tell the listeners to look out for? Just, uh, you know, to enjoy their summer, you know, have a really, really great time and, uh, you know, reach out to me on Facebook and say hi. All right. Well, folks, with that said, we're out of here. Okay, you take care. Just because the world is without fuel doesn't mean it can't burn. Union Forest has unleashed a dragon upon the world, and it's hungry. Henry Morgan has to save his brother and face the dragon. Check out The Shadows Above the Flames, written by our very own Daniel Swanson and published by Immortal Works. Find your copies on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or anywhere books are sold. So go get your copy today and find out what happens to Henry and Rick.